0: Well, let's go tonight over to the book of Leviticus, chapter 1. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been on, ministering and receiving healing. And uh, we'll deal with some uh, more of these types and shadows from the Word of God. And uh, we dealt last week with uh, uh, many of them. Uh, concerning divine healing. uh, We need to see Jesus in the scriptures. And when we see Jesus in the scriptures, we need to see him as our healer. And, uh, you know, the Lord prompted me some time ago. uh, I told you the story. I was uh, getting some things done around the house and he began to talk to me about the healing anointing. And he said that this healing anointing uh, was part of my supply that we bring to the body of Christ and uh, to this location and others. And uh, so, uh, you know, what he emphasizes, we need to emphasize. And uh, we talked about the different types and shadows in the Word of God. Uh, We dealt with some different things uh, last week, uh, the the brass serpent uh, uh, and the rock that followed the children of Israel. But another type and shadow In the scripture and we're going to look at some that may not necessarily pertain to healing in the beginning, but uh, uh, we will get uh, to those that pertain to our healing. Another type and shadow uh, in the scriptures was the burnt offering and here in Leviticus chapter 1 verse 2, uh, the Lord had spoke to Moses and he said, speak unto the children of Israel and say to them, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he, the high priest, shall put his hand upon the the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. It shall be accepted to make atonement now in the burnt offering the whole animal was offered to God on the altar as a sweet smelling aroma to God now this was important because what happened was a transference all right Uh, the animal was innocent the animal was righteous all right the animal had done nothing wrong. And very often we think that you know that the animal was put on the on the altar and of course offered as a burnt offering, and that we just think atonement, but there was a transference that occurred because in order for that to happen and to work the way it was supposed to to work, the lamb became the substitute for the man, but something had to be transferred back to the man that brought the lamb, and what happened was. In the burnt offering, the righteousness of the lamb was transferred to the man that brought the offering. All right? The lamb took his sin and that man took on the righteousness, the right standing of the lamb. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, you know these verses. It says, uh, uh, For he hath made him to be sin that knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So at the cross of Calvary, not only did Jesus bear our sins, there was a transfer that occurred. At that moment, the Bible says He became sin with our sin, and we became righteous with His righteousness. Amen. Amen. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul wrote and he made this statement. He said, I want to be found in Him. I want to be found in Christ Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is of faith in Jesus Christ. All right? Through the faith of Christ. That righteousness that comes through what? Putting my faith in Christ. All right? So the burnt offering, the lamb of the burnt offering is a type and a shadow. Because when that man brought the offering to the tabernacle, his sins were transferred to the lamb. But the lamb's righteousness was transferred to him. And so when we were born again, Jesus bore our sins, carried our sins. He became sin so that we could become righteous. The enemy fights to to blind people to their standing of righteousness with God because if he can do that, he can keep them in guilt and shame and condemnation. If something was transferred to you by a perfect spotless person that had never sinned, that had never made an error in their life, where 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 immorality and things are concerned if that had if that same righteousness that he had was transferred to you. There's no way you and you and you knew that in a natural sense. There's no way that you could feel guilt or shame or condemnation because you have received something perfect, something pure, something without blemish, and it came directly from God Himself. The righteousness that you are is the same righteousness that Jesus walked the earth in, and the same righteousness that he possessed between him and his father. Hallelujah. And, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. What, what, why is that so important? Because that's the first step. That's the first step. Amen. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, we see something. <coughs> because it, it expounds on this a little more. Paul told us in Ephesians 5 and 2, And I, I get going on these, and you'll forgive me, I get to, I get to going fast. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to overwhelm you. But verse 1 says, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, that word followers is the Greek word mimetes. It means to mimic. It means to imitate. Now, here's, here's a question. If you are not 100% righteous, how could you ever hope to imitate God? You can't. You, 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 you can't, he's not talking about mimic like, uh, uh, just, you know, acting like. He's saying, I want you to imitate God. I want you to mimic God. And I cannot do that if I'm not perfectly righteous. Your, righteous is not a, your righteousness is not an imperfect righteousness. It's a perfect righteousness. That, amen. If, if, if your righteousness was based on conduct, it would be imperfect. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating wrong conduct. Don't misunderstand. But when you were born again, you were made righteous the instant that you were born again in spite of the conduct of the previous day. But you were changed. And Right? Ever, ever how fast? It was. You were changed immediately and you were a brand new creature, a new species of being that had never existed before, made perfectly just, perfectly holy, and perfectly righteous in the sight of God. And the Bible says at that moment you were without blame and without spot before God. Hallelujah. Amen. But then it says, and walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given Himself for us an offering... And a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. So Jesus, notice, gave himself for an offering to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So God saw the sacrifice of Jesus and Isaiah said it pleased him. Alright? So when God saw the sacrifice of Jesus, it was pleasing. And it had this satisfaction to him that the work was complete. Amen. And what pleased God even more than the sacrifice was the result of the sacrifice, which was your perfect righteousness and your ability to now stand in His presence without condemnation. God wanted you to be able to be in His presence more than you wanted to be in His presence. Amen. God is always more willing to give than people are willing to receive. Amen. All through the scripture we see that. God is always more willing to give than people are To receive. Another type and shadow was the Passover lamb. And uh, of course, in Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, uh, we see this Passover lamb. Chapter 12, verse 3 Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. A lamb according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for a house. Now this is very important because it's a lamb for a house. Well the Bible calls you and I the household of faith. And God is called our father. And Jesus in John chapter 1 is called the lamb of God. The lamb of God. The lamb of our father. Jesus was the lamb taken out of the herd for our house. Amen. Then verse 7, it says, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Then in verse 12, it says, here's why. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token... Upon the houses wherein you are. And when I see the blood. I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt. Now Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. Concerning Christ. He said. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover. Passover is slain or is sacrificed for us. So the Passover lamb was a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important? Because the destruction, notice where the destruction was. It was in the land of Egypt. It was in the land of bondage. It was in the land of sin. And in that, in that environment, God said, take the lamb and he said, even in that environment of sin and bondage, you put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and destruction is coming. You know, sin always has a price. No, nobody gets away with sin, the price has to be paid. You understand? The price has to be paid. People will read that in the book of Exodus and and the Old Testament, and they'll see the judgment of God come on Egypt. And I've heard people say, you know, how bad that was, and how could God do that? Listen, God gave them chance after chance after chance after chance to end that. After the first plague, Pharaoh could have said, okay, I'll let you go. Before the first plague, Pharaoh could have said, I'll let you go. But the point is, destruction is coming. And God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an out from this destruction. You take this lamb and accept his blood and put it on the doorpost. And when destruction comes, it will pass over you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sin is a destructive force, but when you got born again, the blood of Jesus Christ was put on the doorpost of your heart, and now you're no longer subject to the destruction of the world, and the destruction of sin, and the destruction of of the plans of the enemy. No matter what environment you're living in, because of the blood of the Passover Lamb of Christ on your heart, you're free from it. Glory. Glory be to God. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I did it. I preached myself happy. It don't take much. Hallelujah. Oh, God's good to us. Amen. Another type and shadow was the kinsman redeemer. Notice in the book of Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25. The first time I ever read this verse, I, I just... It was so precious to me. It was so precious to me because it, it just it just it just it it touched my heart. You know, there there are verses that you read that just touch your heart. And uh uh this verse in verse forty seven, Leviticus twenty-five and forty-seven. And if a sojourner or stranger wax rich by you, and your brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, and sell himself Unto the stranger or sojourner by you. Or to the stock of the stranger's family. After that he is sold. He may be. Oh glory. He may be redeemed again. Notice. One of his brethren. May redeem him. Hallelujah. If he's sold into sin. One of his brethren. May redeem him. He can be redeemed again. Why is this a type and a shadow? Because notice something. I want want you to see this. It took a near kinsman to perform the redemption. Not just anybody could do it. it. It mentions a brother here. It mentions an uncle or something of that nature. But it had to be a near kinsman. It had to be somebody in the same family. When you were born again, you were brought into the family of God spiritually. Spiritually, all right? We're the family of God, but the family of God is not a natural family, it's a spiritual family. But for Jesus to become our family, he had to become flesh, he had to become a man, he had to become a human being. He had to become our brother. He wasn't our brother until he became a man. Jesus is our brother right now. Why is he our brother right now? He's not our brother in spirit. The Bible says there's a man in the Godhead. It says there's one potentate and one one bridge between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. The man Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Because our brother is in the Godhead interceding for us. Amen. Hallelujah. We were sold under sin, there was nothing we could do about it. Amen. Everybody in this room was born into sin. Born into the slavery of sin. You could not free yourself. You could not set yourself free. But there came, and here's just what's so important. Here came, Paul said, the man from glory. The man from glory. Why is that so important? Because a man had to redeem man. Amen. It wouldn't do any good for the spotless Son of God to come into the earth and give of Himself if He was not going to really become a man. And really be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And really become a human being. It was not a pseudo image. It was, not, it was not He looked like a man. He became a man. He was born through natural channels. And birthed into this earth. So that He could be your brother and my brother. And redeem us from the poverty of sin. Glory be to God. That's why we can sing that old song. You are my king, but you are my brother. Hallelujah. You're my king, but you're my brother. He's my Lord, but he's my brother. He's my master, but he's my brother. He's my savior, but he's my brother. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Look at Colossians 2. Now, I know there's the beautiful verses in the book of Ruth. Uh, uh, about and and that's so important about when when Ruth and Naomi came back to to uh, Bethlehem and and Boaz. Uh, Performed the rite of the kinsman redeemer. Boaz was a type and a figure and a shadow of Jesus Christ in his own right. In that his people, his family had went into the land of bondage, went into the land of sin, went into the land of the Gentiles. But then they came back and when they came back the kinsman redeemer redeemed them and bought all of them back and bought all of their debt and paid all of their debt and redeemed them and brought them into the household of faith. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. And uh, <clears throat> he says here. That when Jesus, let's read verse 13 to get the, the perfect context. And you being dead in your sins. And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was contrary, which was against us, that was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Nailing it to his cross. So notice that this was blotted out. Who was it blotted out by? Our brother our brother so there was a handwriting of ordinances that was against you I've heard people say that was the law and and I'm not going to disagree with that but understand this until the time of your salvation and your redemption every act every sin was a record was kept and it was against you it was held against you not out of animosity not out of anger not because God didn't like you He has no choice. God is perfectly just. God cannot turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to sin. Amen. So every sinner that's living their life for themselves, the record is being kept. But when you and I were born again, something happened to the record of our sin. People will say it was erased. It wasn't just erased. It was blotted out. There is no record of it anymore. It doesn't exist. You cannot be a new creature with a past that's remembered all the time. You can't be. And so when I became a new creature, not only did I become a new creature, I became a species of being that never existed before. So, consequently, I had no past. Amen. Hallelujah. And it was blotted out. And God wanted to do that. God wanted to do that more than we wanted it done. Hallelujah. Because all you've got to do is look at the link that God went to to redeem us by sending Jesus. And you see how much He wanted you to be free. Amen. Glory to God. Now, here in... uh, Well Galatians 3.13 of course says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might rest upon the Gentiles or come upon the Gentiles. I think that's powerful because on the cross our elder brother bore the weight of the curse the entire weight of the curse and became a curse for us so we could be blessed. Amen. Now, 1 Peter 1 and 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed, O glory, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or your lifestyle, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spots. Who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last time for you. Notice, verily foreordained for what purpose? To be our elder brother and to be our redeemer. And notice, it was before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. Now this is important and it can be something that's very elementary. But here's, here's how this is sometimes taught. That somehow in the book of Galatia, uh, Genesis, we see Adam and Eve fall into transgression and fall into sin. And somehow people kind of leave us with this idea that when God came into the garden, that he was kind of playing catch up. That the devil got won over on God. Well, that's impossible. And, and here's why. The devil is not finite. He's not infinite, infinite in his knowledge. Alright? He's, he's, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. I, I can prove that to you because, listen, God will lead you in steps on purpose so He can keep certain things hidden from the devil. Amen. You understand? And that's, and that's why I heard an old preacher say something one time that just so blessed me. He said, the devil wouldn't give much, some of y'all such a hard time if you wouldn't tell him everything God's telling you. When God speaks to you about something, now, now I'm making a point. God talks to us and leads us in steps. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, it says this. It says that none of the princes of this world would have crucified Christ if they would have known what was coming. Well, that's a dual reference. It's the natural princes, but it's the principalities. It's the devil. The devil had no idea. He thought he was just getting rid of Jesus and he was sealing his fate. Because when you look through the history and you look through the prophecies, no one prophet had all the information about the Messiah. Some of them had more than other ones, but nobody had all the information. Isaiah had a lot. Jeremiah had a lot. Amos had some. Malachi had some, but nobody had it all. Amen. But when Jesus came on the earth, He fulfilled every prophecy concerning Himself and brought the entire chapter together and the entire book together. And before the devil knew what was happening, Jesus had said, It is finished. He had went to hell and taken the keys of death, hell, and the grave and rose victorious before the devil ever knew what happened. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. So he doesn't doesn't show us everything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think, where were we going? Did I tell you? First Peter, oh, we already, we read first Peter 1, 18 through 19. So he was foreordained before the foundation of the world. That's where I was going. So God didn't play catch up to the devil. This was done. Jesus agreed to be the sacrifice before mankind ever existed. Because for God to be infinite and to be omniscient and to be perfect and to be the God that He is, He had to know what was going to happen, obviously, before He ever created man. That's why He gave man a choice. God didn't give them a choice thinking, you know, hopefully they won't do this. He knew they were going to do it. But He gave them a choice. Why did He give them a choice? So He could come in and fix their choice. He had to give them a choice... So they could sin and miss it. You understand? And He could send the Redeemer. But that was planned before the earth ever was. That was planned before the world ever was. That was planned in the annals of eternity. God's smart. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. My brother redeemed me. He's my brother. Hallelujah. Love me so much. He redeemed me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Some of these types of Jesus in the Old Testament show us divine healing. Psalm 105. Glory be to God. Psalm 105, verse 37. Now, remember, he's, he's talking about the children of Israel. And here's something that you've always got to remember is that when you read something about Israel in the Old Testament, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's an example for us. All right? We can see what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Probably more what we shouldn't do. But, amen. But, but what I'm saying is when we read this, It says, he brought them, verse 37, he brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among them. It says, Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon him. Notice, he spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. Now, we're seeing lots of symbols here and types. He opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. He remembered his holy promise or his covenant and Abraham his servant. He brought them forth, he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen people with gladness. And he gave them the land of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Egypt is a type of the world. Every time you see Egypt in the scriptures, that's a type of the world. All right. Pharaoh is usually a type of Satan. Now, obviously, the children of Israel were in bondage. They they were in horrible bondage. The Bible talks about their severe bondage. And it was so bad that they began to cry to God. And God heard their cry, said, and came down to see their affliction. Right. Well, eventually, you remember the story. He brought Egypt to its knees and delivered his people. But notice how he brought them out. He brought them out with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Hallelujah. Now, if we're going to come back to Psalm 105. But but look at 1 Corinthians 10. There's something to see here. Oh, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 2. Well, let's start in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that all of our fathers were under the cloud, said in Psalm 105, that He spread a cloud for their covering, and all passed through the sea. Now notice, here's all one time. All of our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All drank Uh, all ate the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they that drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. All right. Now there's something to see here. Notice this symbolism. Notice how many times he uses the word all. They all did this five times. Five is the number of grace. That means that everything that they experienced in their deliverance was all God. Didn't have anything to do with them. It was all God. God is more willing to give than people are to receive. And it says all of them experience these things. Now now that's important because you have to understand something. Anything that I receive from God is going to be on the basis of God's grace and my faith. God wants to give it to me. Amen. Now, in in, uh, Psalm 105 again, he says... He talks about bringing them out. They pass through the sea. The Red Sea is a type of being baptized into Christ. They were all baptized into Christ. They were all baptized going through the Red Sea. That's a type of being baptized into Christ. The cloud and the fire is a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All right, They were, they, they were supposed to be God's spiritual people. God wanted to set them up in the center of the earth as a, as a, as a, a model, not of how great God's people are, but uh, how great their God was. Amen. Amen? The people coming out healed and prosperous is a type of redemption. They came out healed and they came out prosperous. When did they come out healed and prosperous? What produced that in them? They partook of the Passover lamb. And when they partook of the Passover lamb, they came out healed and prosperous. Hallelujah. Do you see this? This is so important. Hallelujah. And it says they drank of that rock. He opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran like the dry places. They ran in the dry places like a river. Like a river. Well, Jesus said that when you come to Him and you receive what He said and you're born again spiritually, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The rock is a type of Christ. Amen. The water is a type of the Spirit. The water is a type of the Word. And when I receive Christ, I receive those rivers of living water to live on the inside of me and to flow out of me. There's a flow for every area of my life. There were seven things Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. There's a flow for every area of my life. He'll teach me. He'll guide me. He'll lead me. He'll bring things to my remembrance. He'll convict me. He'll show me things to come. He'll put me in remembrance of everything I heard and everything God's told me why that is God's nature notice what it says it says in verse 42 why he did this because he remembered his holy promise and he remembered his servant Abraham that is the same covenant that we have been brought into we were brought into that covenant because God made a promise to Abraham and when Jesus came he ratified the covenant and brought us into the covenant God made with Abraham and to this day we're in that covenant because God remembers his servant Jesus who is our brother oh hallelujah God remembers what Jesus did. And remembers the covenant that we have. Oh, glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. We talked about the brass serpent, but we should look at it again. Numbers 21. The brass serpent on the pole was a type of Jesus. Was a type of Jesus. Amen. I purpose not to get too preachy tonight, but I can't help it. Hallelujah. There, you know, there's certain things that just, that just crank your tractor. Amen. And the two for me is faith and redemption. That just, that does it for me every time. If you will give me a choice, no matter what I start preaching on, I'll end up on faith or redemption. Amen. But... Numbers 21 and verse 7. Well, let's start in verse 5, and then we'll we'll get the perfect context. The people spake against God. You know, Bible says in Psalm 78, 19, that was one of the reasons why they all died in the wilderness. Because they spake against God. What did they say about God? Can God furnish? Can God provide? Can God do this? Anyway, that's free. And against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of, the, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, there is no water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent, now says sent aloud. This, this, this gives us this idea. These serpents just didn't show up. They had always been there. But they were not allowed to come in the camp. Understand something. Here, here's the thing. When punishment comes on a sinner, you'll still hear people say, well, yeah, God punished them. No, He didn't. No, He didn't. We're still in the day of grace. But what allowed the punishment? What allowed the judgment? What allowed, what allowed that on their, on their lives? The sin they were committing. You, you can't consistently live a sinful life and expect the protection of God to consistently be on your life. Listen, that, that, that's part of the predicament our nation is in. You can't kill over 60 million babies and keep expecting the blessing of God to flow like you want it to. You can't put your, your, your approval on all kinds of sin and all kinds of immorality and expect the blessing of God to continue to flow and for there to be no judgment. You were amen and real good just a minute ago. We're, we're redeemed from that judgment. I don't have, when people say judgment's coming on America, I think, well, praise God, not on me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and I, I heard somebody today talking about they're worried about the mark of the beast. A believer, the mark of the beast. R-read, read your Bible. <laughs> the, the mark of the beast can't, it, it's not even, we're not even anywhere around when that shows up. Yeah, but it's in motion. Well, it might be in motion. That should make you shout because that means we're about to hear the trumpet and the shout of the archangel of God and we're about to get up out of here. Amen. Ever how long that is. But until then, what are we going to do? We're going to occupy and do what God told us to do. Amen. So glory. So, he allowed these serpents... And they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Serpents always represent the curse. Here here is God's people that are suffering under the curse. The bite of the serpent. Sin in their life. And it's destroying their lives. And notice, the people came to Moses and said, we've sinned. Mm Mm-hmm. For he's spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. Remember another type. Jesus said, uh, uh, it was prophesied that there would be another prophet raised up like unto Moses. What is Moses doing here for the people? Interceding. What is Jesus doing for you right now? Interceding. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent. A brass serpent. Set it on a pole. It shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Listen, the bottom line is this. When you were born into this earth, you were, for lack of a better term, bitten by the curse. Amen. Bitten by the curse. And sin was in your life. You were born a sinner. And open to everything that that, that the curse wanted to bring. Now notice. Notice. He said, put it on a pole. Everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, he shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he, healed, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, the serpent was a symbol of the curse, the death that had come upon man. And this can seem elementary. But when you think about that, why not a lamb? Why? Why, why not a goat? I mean, why a serpent? Because that was the problem. The problem was the curse. And notice what God told Moses. Any man that looks upon this serpent will be healed. Hallelujah. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent. In the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Notice, he said, just like the serpent. Now here's the thing. He's not just talking about in the air. He's saying, for the same purpose that serpent was lifted up, I'm going to be lifted up. And the same way that if anybody that looked on that serpent would be healed, anybody that puts their trust in me, after I am lifted up, they'll be healed and they'll be set free. Glory be to God. The, 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 The Israelites looked at the serpent and received healing. They were basically looking forward to what Christ was going to do on the cross. They were receiving on credit. Now I talked about that some last week. Every person that was healed in the Old Testament received that healing on credit. There was no redemption to pay for it. They received on credit based on what? What he was going to do. Every person Jesus healed, he healed on credit. They were healed based on what he was going to do. And at the cross, the payment for every healing, every deliverance that had ever occurred was paid by Jesus. And then the bill was paid for you and I, and we can receive from here on out because there's no debt. And you can't be charged twice. Amen. When the, when the enemy tells you you're sick, pull out 1 Peter two twenty four and say, No, sir, you can't charge me twice. Amen. Jesus said, whoever believes in Him, in what He did, in His finished work, will receive life. When we look at the cross, we see the whole of redemption. A completed work. Freedom from sin, freedom from sickness, freedom from the curse. Now, think about this. If they could look at the type and receive healing, how much more can we receive by seeing the fulfillment of the type? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why Hebrews 12, 2 tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. This is another reason we know it's God's will to heal because of the types we see in the Old Testament. Now, I, I, I want you to see a couple of things. I'm going to go through some promises real quickly, and uh, I, I may not belabor them very much. But Deuteronomy seven and verse fifteen, I just want you to see some things. It says Deuteronomy seven fifteen, and the Lord will take all sickness, all take away from you all sickness. And put or allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you know upon you. But will allow them or lay them upon them that hate you. Amen. God said in the Old Testament he would take away from them all sickness. Is that right? All sickness. And then in Exodus fifteen twenty six, you remember it says, if you obey and serve the Lord. I'll bless your bread and your water, and I'll take sickness from the midst of you. Do you see that? Take sickness from us. And then he said at the end of Exodus 15 26, For I am the God that heals you. I'm the God that heals you. Now, now, why is this important? Well, let's read a couple more verses and we'll show you. Uh, Exodus 23. Hallelujah. Exodus 23, verse 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and water. And I will take sickness from your midst. There will nothing cast their young, nor be barren in the land. And the number of your days I will fulfill. Hallelujah. So again, He says, I'll take sickness from your midst. I'll take sickness from your midst. One man said that's how it's possible to die without being sick. So take sickness from your midst. Hallelujah. Now, that's not what I want want to center up on. Psalm 103. I'm showing you these promises for a reason. Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of His benefits. Who forgives, notice this, this, this verbiage. Who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, crowneth you with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Now, Psalm 107 and verse uh, 20. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Notice, He heals all of our diseases. Now here's what I want you to center up on for a moment. These are Old Testament promises. These are promises made under the type. Do you see that? They're made before redemption. This is God's nature. Amen. And then He says... He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Well, the Word here in Psalm 107, verse 20, the Word here is referring specifically to the Word that came by the prophets in the Old Testament. He sent His Word by those prophets and healed them. But here's something to remember. There's a shadow, there's a type involved here. In the New Testament, John 1, 14 says this, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. In the New Testament, the Word became flesh and healed us. In the Old Testament, He sent His Word by the prophet and they were healed. In the New Testament, He sent His Son, Jesus, our brother, as the Word and the Word healed us. Glory to God. These types are important for the Old Testament saints. Healing was a part of their covenant. Well, as New Testament saints, the Bible says we have a better covenant. Established on better promises. Well, why is it a better covenant? Because the debt's been paid. It's been canceled. See, even though they had a covenant with God that God said, I will do certain things, their their sin debt had never been paid. They had not yet been redeemed. How how were the Old Testament saints redeemed? By putting their faith, the book of Hebrews says, we'll read it in a moment, by putting their faith in the Redeemer that was coming. And that's why when Jesus left the cross, in spiritually and went physically to hell the Bi- the bible says you know he didn't go down there and have a revival he went down there to fulfill the prophecy he had to go down there and release those that had been held in bondage all of their lifetime But they had believed on him in Abraham's bosom. And the Bible says that he preached the word unto them. He showed himself to them. And then he led captivity captive. Where did he lead them captive to? Heaven. And that's why the Bible says that that from heaven, from heaven the call comes out. From outside the gates. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your heads, ye everlasting doors. And let the King of glory come in. Well, when Jesus... Now, hear me when I say this. Hear me, hear me acutely. I don't want you to go out of here and lie on me. All right? When Jesus went to hell... He did not go as the king of glory. He went as a man that was carrying the sin debt of every person in the universe forever and for all time. For three days and nights, he obtained the justice and the mercy that was needful for you and I. And then he took the keys of death, hell, and grave. And he rose as the king of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, 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 Do you see this? And that's why we have a better covenant. We're not going to be held in Abraham's bosom. When you you die physically on this earth, you go from the presence of the earth to the presence of God Himself. You fall asleep on the earth and you wake up at home with your father and your elder brother. Glory be to God. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, under Under the old covenant, death had a sting. Under the new covenant, death has no sting. Death has no victory. When when a believer passes away, don't you ever think for one minute that the devil won or sickness won. They did not win. The Bible says death has no victory over us because we are eternal beings. This body might fall over with a thud, but I'm never going to die. You're never going to die. We are eternally alive with Christ. Oh, hallelujah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. The Old Testament saints were looking to the fulfilling of the promise. We're walking in the fulfillment of the promises. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 39. Hebrews 11 and verse 39. Oh, I got five minutes. I think I can do it. I think I can. The little pastor that could. I think I can. Little humor. Very little. (laughs) Hebrews 11 verse 39. And all of these. Having obtained a good report through faith. Watch. Receive not the promise. Now stop and think about who didn't receive the promise. Noah. Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. Sarah. Enoch. David. Isaac. Jacob. Samson. Gideon. They received a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise. Now, 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 why? God having provided or foreseen something better for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Is that what it says? God having provided. The, uh, the, the, the literal rendering of that is God having foreseen something better for us. They walked under a tremendous covenant, but God saw a better covenant for us through the blood of Jesus. And it says this, it's, it says basically that they, they were not brought to completion until Christ died and we were brought into that covenant. Amen. And then the thing was complete. Amen. Whew. Oh my goodness. Hmm. The Old Testament saints were looking forward to the completion of the promises. And that's why the Bible lets us know in Hebrews chapter 12 that we have a great grandstand of witnesses now. And that they're cheering you and I on. Amen. Amen. Because of the sacrifice of our Redeemer, they were brought into the, into, into the fullness of God because He died for us. Amen. You, you understand that? And now they're cheering us on to get the job done. And we're going to get it done. Gonna get it done. Mm. Do you see this? We have the fulfillment of all the types. Jesus said, you'll remember uh, in John 8 56. We'll we'll read this one and we'll we'll try to be done. John eight and fifty six. Notice what Jesus said. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Well, where did Abraham see his day? Because his day is not just his earthly ministry. It's the price he paid, the redemption. Where did he see his day? Genesis twenty-two thirteen 13 tells us that when Abraham took Isaac to the mount. Moriah to sacrifice him remember the angel of the Lord the pre-incarnate Christ called from heaven and said don't don't harm him because now I know and verse 13 says that Abraham turned and looked and saw a ram in the thicket that's when he saw Jesus day he saw the law of the substitute in action. And and somewhere the scripture gives us the indication that somewhere in that moment, Abraham had a spiritual understanding that this was a type and a shadow of the Redeemer and it made him so happy, he rejoiced. He rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. We have the fulfillment of all the types. The fulfillment's better than the type. In John 6, 32, Jesus said, I'm the true bread. Why is that important? Because remember he talked about, uh, the Bible talks about how that they, they ate manna. They ate bread from heaven in the wilderness that sustained them. And Jesus said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and bread in the wilderness. He said, but I'm the true bread. I'm the true bread. And that's why Jesus told the, the, the people in his day and they got offended at him. He said, if you don't eat my flesh, why eat my flesh? I'm the true bread. If you don't eat my flesh, you're partaking of a religious symbol. But if you don't partake of me, you can't be saved. Amen. He said, he said in uh, 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 John six I'm the true bread. In John 1, 9, he said, I'm the true light. I'm the true light. In John 15, 1, he said, I'm the true vine. Amen. Hallelujah. In other words, we have the fulfillment of all the types. And so anytime that anybody tries to bring somebody back under a system of belief, and here's, here's what I mean by this. I, I can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as blunt as some, but anytime somebody tries to bring you back uh, uh, to observe festivals and to observe feast days, they're trying to bring you back under the type and the shadow. They're trying to get you to exist in a shadow and a type that has lost its power because it's been fulfilled in Christ. It's been fulfilled in Christ. All of those feast days, they were important to people that had not had the redemptive price paid for them. But Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled all the feast of Israel. Fulfilled all of them. Brought them to nothing. Amen. I mean, there, folks, listen. They are interesting. They are astounding to study. But you got to understand something. That was all a shadow. That was all a shadow. Why did, why did they have the Feast of Sukkot? Why did they have the Feast of Booths? To remember where God brought them from, to remember their deliverance. Amen. But we don't, the Bible says Jesus said this. He said, When you eat my flesh and drink my blood in the Lord's Supper, you are, making, you are making a remembrance of my death until I come again. You are remembering what I did for you in this new covenant meal. Amen. The true is the fulfillment of the type in the Old Testament. Amen. The reason why types and shadows are so important is I see the length that Jesus went to. And I see the purpose that he had in doing everything that everything that God did throughout the Old Testament. I see the purpose that he had for doing it. And the purpose that he had for doing it was to get the Redeemer into the earth to redeem you and I and set us free from our sins. Amen. Amen. And to heal our bodies and to deliver us and make us whole. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we have, oh, hallelujah. I believe we have seen wonderful heavenly things. And Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for the redemption that we have through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the victory that we have through him. In the name of Jesus, we're grateful and thankful. Oh, we praise you, Father.